Good afternoon. Good afternoon to all of us. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to be with you. And uh, this uh, morning I was reminded of a, uh, of a story. But before I get there, let me just introduce our sermon series to you. We are busy currently with um, eyewitness news. And today we were looking at who he is. And this morning, I was reminded of a story that really impacted my life. And we're looking through the eyes of Peter, just how Jesus impacted his life. Peter has a front row seat to Jesus' crucifixion, his life, and how that impacted him and his life. And uh, so my story goes like this. Uh, It's about two and a half years ago. Um, and I asked my son the privilege to, to share this story with you. It was about two and a half years ago, my wife and I get a call, and the call went something like this, uh, your son is at the hospital, he's been stabbed. And in my wife, and my mind was rushing crazy, because the communication was so limited that we don't know how serious his injuries was. So we rushed to Pretoria. And this incident took place just off, off campus as he went to uh, join a friend for a study group. And uh, on his way there, he, he got muck and stabbed and almost left his pinky amputated. And when I was arriving at the hospital and being cleared to go and see my son, I saw him in a distance in the x-ray room. My son, he seemed confused. He seems distressed. But man, the moment, the moment that he saw me was the only moment that impacted my life so much. When he gazed upon his dad, it feels, I don't know till to this day if he was running, but it felt like he was running. I was running to my arms, and the tears started rolling down his face. And I embraced him, and I said to him, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. I'm here. And I could see the smile starts to erupt from his face. Because he knew who his dad was. He knew that the man that holds him knows him dearly. And he knows me. And he knows that I've got his back. So this, I wanna, this story wants, I want to use to lead us into our scripture. And I won't be able to read for you from my Bible as much as I brought it back with today. Because it's in my Afrikaans Bible. I grabbed this morning when I ran out of the house the wrong Bible. I grabbed, <laughs> so I'm going to read it for you from my script that I wrote. <laughs> and you can follow me on the screen. So our scripture is going to come from Matthew 16, uh, verse uh, 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, say, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Our key scripture to this morning, am I going the right direction now? Here we go. Um, our key scripture this morning is, now when Jesus came into the district, district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some said John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus says to, to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Last year, the 7th of July, um, I just want to apologize for the quality of this, this, this picture, but I couldn't find the better picture to describe to you. But last year, 2017, the 7th of July, an Air, um, an Air Canada flight 759, on its way from uh, Toronto to San Francisco Airport, collided almost with four other planes. The attempt or the confusion came in when the pilot was coming to land and on the right-hand side there was four planes lined up, queued up to taxi. And this pilot came and he lined up on the taxi line and not on the runway. And in time, the uh, aviation office or the tower communicated to him and says, you are on the wrong, wrong runway. Pull up immediately. A, Filip a, a Filipino aircraft switched on his, his, his landing lights to indicate to this pilot that you are heading for a disaster. And uh, in time, this pilot pulled up his plane. And about 30 meters, he crossed the very first plane as he pulled up. And about 60 meters, the third and then the fourth plane. Now imagine for yourself, if this pilot would have stayed on his course and he collided into those aircraft. 147 people on his planes. Imagine for yourself what would be the impact of four planes that is fully filled, is fully passengers, has got, is fully passenger. Imagine to you the, the, the massive impact it would have had. It would have been one of the greatest 
or the biggest aviation um, disasters in history. When we read our scripture, we understand three things from it. It's that the community had a certain response and had a certain view of Jesus. They seemed to be very confused what the disciples account for. Because Jesus asked them and says, who does the people say I am? And they say, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah or Jeremiah, some of the prophets. The community was not certain about who this Jesus was. Who he is will determine or change who I am. Who he is, who he is will change who I am. It seems to me that also when I read the scripture, we pick up the story starting actually in Matthew 13, and it ends in, in Matthew 9 verse 2. It's a conversation that Matthew is having with his earlier audience, explaining to them who Christ is. We can understand from the scripture that as Matthew unpacks it to them, that they must have been an audience that was very familiar with the rituals in the Old Testament. So we can assume that this was a Jewish congregation. We also can see that this congregation had a few challenges and became confused about who Jesus is. As we read through how Matthew organized the events of Jesus' life to communicate to his first reader, he communicates a certain few things to them. He says that you became uncertain about who this Jesus is. And he's most probably speaking, the book was written about uh, 60 um, AD, AD, BC, BC, sorry, <laughs> AD, there we go. Um, it was probably written between anything 60 to 70 um, AD, that would have made this audience basically a second generation of Christians. And Matthew writes to them, and he says to them, and he tells them the story about Jesus who's been rejected by his community. He was not accepted. His community was astonished by his authority and his wisdom when he teaches and his community says, who is he? Is he not the son of Mary? Is he not the son of the carpenter? Is his brothers and sisters not residing here with us? And he explained to them further how not being certain about Jesus can bring you to a devastating place. He explained to them that even Harriet was confused about who Jesus was. And through the stories, he tried to tell his audience that if you are not clear about who Christ is, this is leading to a catastrophic event. And so he goes on and he tells the story about the 5,000 that's been fed. And he comes to this plot 
where Peter makes a confession about who Jesus is. So, if Jesus has to ask us today, how our, what, do, what do people say who he is? It would look something like this. This is a research that has been done by the Barna Group, and it is focused more on American, in the American communities. But it indicated, and I feel like it's, it's very, speaks strongly into our communities as well. And most adults believe that 92% believe that Jesus actually lived. So if Jesus would have asked us, what do people say, who am I? We would say, Jesus, it's not a bad story. It's about 92% of people that believe that you actually lived. That you are a historical figure that walked on the planet of this earth. About 87 of them is of millennials out of this grouping which say that Jesus truly lived. We would say to Jesus, Jesus, about 48% of all, all millennials will believe that you were truly God. Jesus, you have a better chance with the older generations because <laughs> generation X, at least 55% believe that you are God. And now all that they get, Lord, is getting better. And then the question that we have to say to Jesus, Jesus, but if they believe that you are a man just like us and you have sinned, they would say 55% of all millennials will say that Jesus was a human and he sinned just like us. So Jesus, the picture does not look so great. People believe that you were a sinner. From all of them, Jesus, this is the great story. And from all of these who, who claim to be Christians who said that they've committed is at least 62%, Lord. 62% that says that they are committed to this walk with you. And that has impacted their lives. But Lord, there's good news. The ladies is in the lead. About 68%, Lord. This is how our story would look like. When we have to tell the Jesus, what our world thinks of him. And Lord, this is what they think when it comes to death. How many of them will know what happens to them? The greatest majority of them believe that there's life after death. But Lord, there's at least one out of seven that's not too sure what's going to happen with them. Who he is changed who I am. And we see this in Peter's life. As Peter make this confession. And Matthew tried to teach us something when he unpacks the story with his audience. And he says that 
It starts with identity. It's identifying with, with who and where does you, where do you get your identity from? Who is the source of your identity? Now, studies showed that uh, a child's father is affectionate, is, is, uh, affectionate supportive, and evade, uh, involved. He can contribute greatly to his child's cognitive, language, and social development, as well as academical achievement. A strong inner core, resource, sense of well-being, good self-esteem, and authenticity. A child's primary relationship with his father can affect all of a child's relationship from birth to death, including those with friends and spouse. Those early patterns of interaction with his father, with his or her father, are the very patterns that will be projected forward into all relationships. Forevermore, not only your child's intrinsic idea of who or she is, as he or she relates to others, but also the range of what a child considers acceptable and loving. Who is your father? How well do you know your father? How well do you know Jesus? Are you like the son who receives from him? We see that this is a principle that we receive. Peter's confession highlights for us the basis of what it is to know Jesus. I want to focus a little bit on Peter's response when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This revelation came from the Father, or this revelation came from the Father. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. My question to you today is, what are you busy doing about your spiritual responsibility to know Him? How serious are you about your responsibility to know Him? I'm confronted by the Scripture where Jesus says that in the end, on Judgment Day, people will come to Him and say, did we not cast out demons? Did we not heal the sick and raise the dead? And Jesus will say to them, go away, for I don't know you. How is this that the creator of the universe who knows everything, who can seize the mode of the heart, can say that he doesn't know us? Does it mean we don't spend time with Him. For me to know my son means, and my daughters, my daughter, 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 my sons and my daughters. <laughs> For me to know my sons and my daughters means to know that I as a dad take the responsibility and the initiative to spend time with them. But it is also their responsibility to reach out to me. 
they want to live in relationship with me as well. They want to pursue this relationship. Where do you find your revelation? How much time do you spend with God to know Him? Do you search the pages of the Bible to discover Him? How much time do you designate to say, I want to know Him? How desperately do you want to know Him? Because He desperately wants you to know Him. He desperately, earnestly wants to know you. Isn't He saying to Israel, I wanted to gather you like a hen gather his chickens. Jesus wants to gather us like a a chicken gathers his chickens. If building relationship with Jesus is so important, how intentionally are you to lay strong foundations in your life? Do you, have you got someone walking with you who shapes you, where you can discover this relationship of who God is, that together we learn who God is? Have you done foundations discussion? Are you in a discipleship relationship with someone? Have you been to Victory Weekend? Have you said that there's stuff in my life that I cannot deal on my own and I need others to help me with? Are you serious about connect? Are you tending connect regularly? Are you believing that as we fellowship together that God is doing something in our lives? Mark 1 verse 17, Jesus says, sorry, it goes like this. Come, Jesus, come follow me, Jesus says, and I'll make you fishers of men. When Jesus called his disciples to, to follow him, he did not call Peter to follow on his own and John separately. He called them all to fellowship and to walk with him and to follow in fellowship with one another. Because in that fellowship, something happened. When we start to know one another and we start to see how God is working in my brother's life, I start to come to have a revelation of who God is. That is good, He's marvelous, He's excellent. He's a phenomenal God who changed lives. Who wants to meet with me. I see this when I walk with my connect group. I see this when I'm in a discipleship relationship and I speak into someone's life and I see how God transforms his life. I know God wants to do it for all of us. How serious are you to have revelation, to meet your revelation with God? Have you signed up to serve in this church? Do you serve as a son and a daughter in this house? And you say, but this is my house. This is my part of my family. When last did you reach out to someone that's lost or far from God? Well, Matthew 28, 19 says that as we go, 
there's a promise connected to it that Jesus will be with us. Amen. We, services is great. We believe that God is here. But man, if you want to encounter Jesus, and if you want to see Him, and if you want to have a revelation of Him, go spend time with lost people and speak to them about the goodness of God. I uh, had the privilege the other day to speak to a good friend of mine. And uh, he was telling me the story about his little daughter. His favorite time of the day of reading Bible before he tucks her in, uh, in bed at night. And as he reads through the Bible, he's a, he loves, he's a, he's a very perfectionist. So he will read about a quarter through the page. And his daughter will point to the figure on the page and says, is this God? And he says, no, that's not God. And then he had to start at the beginning. And he starts reading from the beginning. And then she will point to the picture again and says, is this God? And he will say, no, this is not God. And he says to me, he says, Tiam, how do I answer my daughter? Because she's looking through the pages of this Bible and she points to characters and says, is this God? I said to him, did you ever consider telling her how big and how marvelous this God is? Did you ever consider to tell her that he cannot fit into that pages of your Bible? That he's far too great and too big to fit in the pages of your Bible? And what we read in that Bible only reflects what we know about him. Who he is changes who we are. I want to look at the next statement that Jesus made, and I'm coming to a landing now. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now, many scholars believe that Bar is similar to the, na- to the, to the noun for son, and Jonah, that might refer to. Peter's dad that was called John. And there is sort of a, a difference in opinion here. Because no one knows is John's dad's name John, his second name Jonah. Was, he, was it his nickname? Where did this name come from? Well, I am of the strong belief that Bar Jonah, when Jesus pointed to to Peter as Bar Jonah, he was referred to the conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Where they wanted the sign from heaven of who he is. Are you the Son of God? Are you the Son of God? Jesus says to him, He says, Blessed are you, Bar Jonah, son of of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And this conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees, he mentioned the story about Jonah. And he says, the only sign that I will give you is the sign of Jonah. That Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And just after that story, Jesus is telling and he says that he needs to be crucified. And he will rise from the dead again. I believe when Jesus says to Simon, 
Simon Barjona, that you are a son of Jonah because you saw that I should die and rose again. Barjona, you came to the revelation that I'm the son of God who had to die and rose again. And I love how he says it. He says, Simon Peter. Now, Simon means snub nose. And it's a baby name. It's a nickname. And he says, oh, little Peter, you have come to the revelation. that I am the God, the Son of God, who had to come and lay down my life to take away the sins of this world. You are bar Jonah. He says, Barjona is here today, who came to the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who should come. Barjona. To be a son of Barjona also means that it asks everything of us. It asks that we pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him. Blessed are you, your life will never be the same. When Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, snub nose, little Peter. Blessed are you, because your life will never be the same. This revelation will change you forever. Because who I am will change who you are. Who I am will change who you are. And this revelation about Jesus has impacted Peter's life. We stand today and we look at Peter's life as a testimony of what God has done in his life. What in your life needs to change? What in your life needs to change? How well do you know him? Do you know who he is? I know for me that's a pursuit. I know that's a lifelong pursuit. It's not once that I came to know him. But for me that's a daily pursuit. It's a daily pursuit to say, Jesus, I want to know you. Because blessed am I when I start to know you. Things change inside of me, Jesus. I'm not the man that I was 24 years ago when I married my wife. I can be a better man today, Father. You changed me. I'm a better father than I was 21 years ago. Because Jesus changed me. And I pursued him every day of my life saying, Jesus, I want to know how to be a good father. Show me. Show me in the word. Show me how I can become better. Because when I know you, it changes me. Can we stand as we close? I want to pray for us.
Can I ask that as we pray, let's bow our heads. If you are here this morning, you sense, you know that you need to change. If you stand here and you never met him before, or maybe you've met him like Matthew's audience, but has grown faint in their belief, that they grow in unforgiveness. Because they forgot who he was. If you stand here this morning, you never had the opportunity to meet with him. I want to pray for you this morning. But I also want to pray for you if the revelation that you received when you accepted him as Lord and Savior has grew faint. And it started to lead you down a path of living in sin. As Matthew's audience did. They started living in sin. And their sin started to influence others to do sin as well. They lived in unforgiveness. Constantly in quarrel with one another. Jesus says, I'm here. I want to make this right. I want you to know me. I want you to see me for who I am. Because that will change who you are. On my first invitation, if you are here and never met Jesus, can I ask you to raise your hand, please? Can I ask you and say, please pray for me. I need to meet this Jesus who you are speaking about. I don't know him. Is there anyone that want to say, Jesus, I want to know you? If you say, I'm right with God, but this revelation starts to grow a little bit faint in my life. I need to come and make right with God today. And you want to take that bold step this morning. Says Jesus, here I am. See my hand. Can I ask you to raise your hand? Can I ask you? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Can I ask you to take that bold step to say, Lord, here I am. I want to make right with you. Heavenly Father, we come, Lord. We bring our lives to you. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus. And Father, that in this time and in this hour where we are so mindful about what you've done on the cross for us, I want to thank you for the revelation that our hearts received. But Lord, that this was not revealed to us flesh and blood but it was was revealed from our Father in heaven Jesus we pray grow us strong make us bold Father grow us in courage Lord never to grow faint 
to pursue you. Never to lose faith, Father, that you are a good, good God and that your heart is that no one should perish but have eternal life. And Jesus, lead and guide us. Help us to understand you. Help us to see you in the pages of our Bible. Holy Spirit, break open scriptures to us. In our time with Jesus, just come and reveal to us the goodness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.